Hi, in today's episode, we have Prasad Bidapa. Prasad is the pioneer in the Indian fashion industry since the last four decades. He's the iconic fashion guru of India and ex-student of NIT Ahmedabad. He's a creator of high-profile events like India Men's Fashion Week, Colombo International Fashion Week, Kingfisher Fashion Awards, and Mega Model Hunt. A textile expert himself, he has presented the Rajasthan Heritage Week since 2015. This is a project he developed for the government of Rajasthan. It's also considered to be one of the most successful khadi and handloom revival projects in the country. Prasad is currently working with various departments to create similar handloom revival projects in other states. And we are all waiting to see that. He also holds the Karnataka Fashion Week annually, working with national and international designers to present the products of Karnataka in handloom, cotton, wool, silk and khadi. Welcome Prasad in today's episode. So before we begin Prasad, I'd really like to know when, where was the genesis of this love for handloom, handmade uh, handcraft begin? Hi Mova, thank you for having me on your program. Very pleased to be here and talking to you. It's always a wonderful experience interacting with you and I've always enjoyed my conversations with you. So thank you for having thank me you, on Prasad. your program. So my interest in fashion and style began quite early because my mother was a very style conscious woman, as most Kurg ladies are. She was sort of very into magazines like Vogue and Harper's that came in from London about six months after the publishing date. So we were always six to eight months behind the fashions of the day. But um, it sort of awakened an interest in fashion and style and gave me a lot of information. I was growing up during the 60s, you know, with the Beatles and Twiggy as the model of the moment. And we were looking at all the magazines and learning what was happening around the world. So I was always very interested in fashion and style. My parents were great party goers and party givers. And I always remember them dressing up and going off for various programs because dad worked in the Air Force and it's always a very sociable and social life that we have in the forces. So being an Air Force brat, I'm sort of very pleased to have that background because, you know, in India, there are many of us who come from a services background and we all call ourselves the forces brats and we've all done quite well. I mean, there are people like Sushmita Sen and so many people I can mention who come oh, from a yes. defense background. Oh, yes, she's one of my favorite. And I think we all have a common interest in style and fashion. But my interest in heritage grew when I went as a teenager to study at the National Institute of Design in Ahmedabad. And Ahmedabad being a very ancient city, for me, it was like culture shock going from a modern city like Bangalore to a city like Ahmedabad, which was steeped in tradition and history and Every corner that you turned, you came across some heritage property or a beautiful old temple or a lovely textile exhibition going on somewhere. And it awakened our interest in all things handmade. And of course, we were very, very lucky to have people interacting with us at NID. I had the great Pupul Jaikar, Kamla Devi Chatobhyay, Sina Call, and so many wonderful people coming and telling us that you know, that they were passing the baton on to us, so to speak. And uh, let me just give you a quick uh, trip down memory lane, Mohua. You know, in I'd India, we sort of uh, always took khadi and handloom before the British came and sort of destroyed that industry because they wanted us to wear their machine-made textiles. 
you know, which was started in the last part of the 18th century. And once they began producing machine-made textiles, they didn't want Indians to do any handloom or handwoven or khadi because they saw it as a threat to their own markets. So they actually destroyed looms and made sure that weavers were not able to weave and they didn't encourage it at all. And instead, they kept pushing their Manchester fabrics and things like that into the Indian markets. But luckily for us, Indian women never ever gave up on handloom. Even when you look at pictures of our ancestors, you'll find our fathers and uncles and grandfathers all very stiffly standing there in three-piece suits in the best of imported Mancunian fabrics. But our mothers always in a sari, in a beautiful handloom version of some cotton or silk piece from some lovely weaver somewhere. And they somehow managed to keep it on. So when independence came, our handloom industry was in a very bad condition. And Jawaharlal Nehru actually charged these ladies, including his own daughter, Indira Gandhi, Pupul Jaikar, Kamla Devi, and said, you'll have to revive handloom now. And that's how the revival projects of handloom began. And Pupul Jaikar then began the Cottage Industries Corporation of India. You know, the beautiful store that we had at Janpath in Delhi, and there's now yes. moved to Nehru Place. And in Bangalore, we used to be on MG Road. But unfortunately, they had to close that down during the COVID. It was one of the COVID victims. And it's now moved to some other area where you can check online the CCIE, Cottage Industries Emporium. So that's how Handloom started coming back. And these ladies inspired my generation. Designers like Archana Shah, who started Bandage, David Abraham and Rakesh Thakur of the Abraham and Thakur label who in their turn and in our turn, we inspired the next generation of designers like Rajesh Pratap Singh and uh, Urvashi Kaur and Reena Singh of Eka and made sure that young Indian designers also knew about the textile traditions of India, the heritage textiles of India. You know, of course, let me also explain to you the difference between khadi and handloom. When you spin the thread on a charka, and get the thread, which is what Gandhiji wanted us all to do. In fact, Gandhiji once said, put a charka in every home in India, and there'll be no poverty. And uh, of course, we didn't do it, much to our detriment. But uh, uh, khadi is when you use hand-spun thread on a handloom to make fabric. That fabric is khadi. So necessarily, the thread and the weaving have both got to be done by hand. But in the great sari traditions of India, like the Kanjivarams and the Banaras, we use machine-made thread. But machine-made thread is done by an artisan on the handloom. So these are the handlooms of India. So we have Banaras, we have Kanjivaram, we have Patola, we have, you know, uh, Pochampali, the great Ikkats of India, Sambalpur. Then, of course, we have Murkalmuru from Karnataka. We have beautiful work from Kerala. And we have Pethani from Maharashtra. And we've got these wonderful fabrics from Gujarat, from Rajasthan, the Kota Doria, the Bandini, the processes of India. I mean, what we have are national treasures. These are fantastic because there's nowhere else in the world that you will find such a wealth of handcrafted and handmade fabrics and processes like tie and dye and embroidery, etc. So we also have but to Prasad, understand that this is true luxury. Yes, Prasad, but then we can't ignore that the mass in India cannot afford to buy something that 
you know, that's going to be expensive. And the Indian government to an extent is to blame because in Handloom, Weaver does not earn more than 250 rupees and today they're giving it all up. You know, they don't want to continue this whole tradition because it's, you know, people, there are designers, there are everybody who go out there and they sell a product at such an expensive price. But what comes back to the weaver is abysmally low, you know. Well, so that narrative is changing a little bit because closed. of, you know, quite wonderful people who've started doing, you know, like Laila Tiabji and Dastakar. In fact, today is the last day yes. of the Dastakar exhibition in Bangalore. Yes, and I'm looking forward to going today. there now. I'll be going there in an hour's time. So, you know, uh, the thing is that young Indians have to understand about the beauty of handlooms and why they should be wearing it. And it gives me great hope that young women like you, yourself, Mohua, you wear such beautiful saris. You've always supported the tradition. And I'm sure that you will pass it on to young women in your circle through your blogs and through Indian. your... You know, the, 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 the wonderful work that you're doing. So it is changing. People are willing to pay a little more for handmade fabrics. Of course, designers take it into the stratosphere. And that's not quite fair because they don't really share those profits with the artisans and weavers. But that's a different story. So let's not go there. But if you go to a dastakar, you can buy directly from the weaver, from the printer, from the dyer, from the embroiderer. And you'll find it at very good rates. I've been buying wonderful khadi and wonderful fabrics at very, very good prices. I have grown up on Dastakar Prasad. You know, I still remember that in Delhi, there used to be the Triveni Kala Sangam. And that's where the Dastakar people used to come with the chairs and the mojuris and the fabrics, you know. And it, it is, I have so much of nostalgia for Dastakar till they later on opened up a store in Hoskas. I, not Hoskas, I think in you know, in um, Shapur Jat yes, in was, Delhi. Yeah. Yes. It was in Delhi Hart, I think, near Delhi Hart. In Delhi Hart? Oh, yes, near Delhi Hart, yes. Yeah, it's yes. wonderful that people like you also espouse the sari, the handloom, the hand traditions of India. But what I wanted to say was, I mean, how come so many women can afford a Italian or French label bag, you know? Everyone goes mad. I so agree. They're willing to spend lakhs on it but you're not willing to spend a few thousands on a sari, you know, I find that very difficult to accept, you know. So I said, by all means, carry the bag, but wear the sari, wear the Kota Doria, wear the Banaras, wear the Kanjivaram cotton, you know, there's nothing to prevent you from doing it. But it gives me great hope that young Indian women today have embraced the sari, embraced handloom, and they're all wearing beautiful things. I've seen a lot of half saris going around. I've seen girls draping half a sari around their jeans instead of wearing a petticoat. Yes. And, I mean, they do such creative things. There, a young designer called Geeta Patil in Bangalore who's inventing the most beautiful saris. We have a handloom warrior called Prasanna who is doing the most wonderful work from a village called Hegodu with their vegetable dyeing and with their handlooms. And then you take an international designer like Sanchita Ajampur Sanchita has just returned to Bangalore where she produces things. And I had uh, the good luck to shoot her catalog the other day. And I found so much of mm. beautiful recycled fabrics. She used to have a store silks. earlier. I must put you in touch with Sanchita. She'd be a very interesting interview for you. I have a very old bag of Sanchitas. Oh, wonderful. You know, it is you a tie and dye. of bags. Yes. She's used coconut husk. She's used silk cocoons. She's used recycled Oh, that would be denim. lovely, Prasad. 
she's done wonderful work you must catch yes, up yes i have one of her oldest bags i think she'll be in shock because i, I bought that you. about 20 years back that's wonderful <laughs> so prasad coming back to just memory you know let's just talk about memory you know uh what is it that you remember when you shut your eyes and you remember that one moment for you when you said that i love fabric i love clothing because you dress up very differently and i've always found you standing out you know with the way you wear your sneakers and you wear um, you know your indian attire and uh, what was that moment what is it that you remember the most you know and also i'd like to know who are your style icons in india well you know the thing is that growing up we were the first generation after independence who grew up in free india and we were a very poor country we really didn't have much shopping there were no malls to go to there were no glitzy boutiques you know we grew up somehow managing to make things on our own my parents used to let me do tie and dye at home so i used to get a white kurta which after a couple of weeks became a yellow kurta and after that it became an orange kurta with tie and dye and then i did some fabric painting on it and then i would find a magazine i think it was called sweet 16 which featured pop stars like the monkeys and this we a magazine called the sun i remember and we used to copy yes. the clothes from that and the tailor around the corner yes. used to make me a black shirt with white lace ruffled sleeves and a corner i was completely crazy wearing the most crazy clothes but you know you take me back memory lane so i after Because going to nid was when i suddenly realized the beauty of handloom and how special it was and how wearing it made you stand out in a crowd you know and then i started wearing a dhoti and then ahmedabad being a textile city was full of textile options we had an old beautiful shop called manubhai and manubhai used to sell mirror work and bandini and oh, yes. all sorts of beautiful things which of course we couldn't afford but once in a while we pick up a few things from him i still have pieces that i bought from him and then of course you know once i started working and made a little bit of money and then i started investing in clothes and i always bought things that i could wear for years you know i remember at about in the, when i was about in my early 20s we were in uti on some trip or shoot and a toda lady came up to sell me a shawl and she sold it to me for i think 250 rupees it is the My most God. beautiful thing you've ever seen in your life because the todas normally work in black and red on a cream khadi ground but this particular shawl had six or seven colors in it purple orange black red it was just amazing i mean i treasure these pieces and i'm wondering what to do with them because you know i don't know whether our children are interested in taking this forward maybe my daughter will be but i think i have to wait for her to stop wearing western clothes and take more of an interest in indian clothes and then she'll begin to wear these things i don't know what we are all so going to do with our collections moha we better start thinking of donating it to some textile yes. museum i think so too because i too have a you know i have a house full of indian clothing yes because i love indian arts and crafts you must be having the best collection of bengali textiles because the yes i do the jamdani tradition of bengal is so beautiful it's really sad there's some some of the art is actually dying because you know there is a type of sari called the baluchuri right on the baluchuri they actually embroider you know the mahabharat and the ramayan and all of that in stories basically folklore right 
but you don't find too many of those products any longer now young designers are understanding that they have access to a textile tradition that nowhere in the world can any other designer Absolutely. compete with them so today if an abraham and thakur are using indian textiles they are creating a global product with indian textiles and indian techniques of dyeing embroidery printing block printing so everyone has understood that what we have in india is truly magnificent it is a heritage that nobody else has and that the indian designer is miles ahead of their western counterparts when it comes to textile traditions now we just need to improve our production facilities and avoid doing what sabya sachi did by digitally printing and copying the work of wonderful artisans over a thousand years old of tradition he's taken and copied it and printed it on polyester and machine made fabrics using digital technology which i thought was so unfair sabya sachi had a chance to do something really wonderful and turn indian craft forms around he could have bought textiles from a thousand artisans all over the country and made h&m make clothes with those things instead they took the easy way out and they digitally printed everything and they've ruined the tradition i'm so upset about it there's been a huge controversy about it and we've all weighed in on it but that's not the way to spread indian techniques around by digitally copying ancient designs you're doing us a great disservice very disappointed but prasad uh, with sabya at the end of the day that's a high street wear and there are a lot of people with an aspirational value there's enough handloom because being produced in this country that if you made enough of an effort you would be able to buy thousands of meters of khadi and handwoven handloom why not you can make the effort you can have it all printed by hand maybe it won't be as consistent as uh, as uh, digital printing but what is so great about consistency if i'm having a poppy printed by block print in some it can be dark print uh, dark pink in some it can be red in some it can be orange so what you know variation is the beauty of india this is the beauty of the handmade is that there is an error there is a variation that shows that it's done by hand and not by a soulless machine how can so many bands need it sabesachi was not the first to copy everything digitally you go online today and you see all sorts of third rate people offering digital prints of indian techniques like bandini like uh, kalamkari like block printing how can they do that it is so unfair they're taking the food out of the artisan's mouth they're condemning the artisan to a life of poverty this is all that they are doing awful people really <laughs> but sabya is sabya prasad i mean you know people the sh- the stuff but in my eyes he has his stuff sold out hundred places he sold his soul and he sold the soul of india as far as i'm concerned but there are a lot of artists and designers who actually do this sort of uh, digital no not when you go to the big department stores you will see a lot of these big brands who are all got big shops they are the ones who copy the smaller designers buy the real thing like abraham and thakur never digitally reproduce anything everything is handmade and everything is pretty consistent if there is a little variation here and there nobody minds anyway we're not going to digress with sabya because i have an opinion where i just feel that there is a huge number of people who have this whole aspiration about sabya and uh, you know they would do anything to buy a sabya <laughs> that's really their problem 
So Prasad, just tell me a little bit, why haven't you thought of having your own line? You know, having been, you're such a style icon. I mean, I, I have to always stop myself from not staring at you for too long. <laughs> Every time I meet you. I'm not a designer, so really. I mean, start? I did study textile design, but I, I studied more of graphic design. And I sort of, in a way, never really enjoyed the process of manufacturing clothes. You know, when I saw all my friends starting out and in big sheds in Noida and Delhi in the heat of the summer without air conditioning, sweating tailors, producing frock after frock, I said, this is not the life. I'm happy to photograph the finished work, but I want no part in the production of it, you know. I think I'm a very good stylist. I know how to put clothes together well. Even many designers like Rohit Bal and Abraham and Thakur, they allow me to style their clothes in a way that I want to and make the combinations and the presentation of a fashion show the way I want to do it. They allow me to do it. That's wonderful of them. So, you know, I love the styling. I love the presentation, the PR, the marketing of clothes. And I think someone has to look after it, right? Who don't compete with a designer, but promote their work and help them take it to a wider audience. And I love writing. So I write about fashion a lot. So if I think if I was a designer myself, it would be frightfully limiting. I wouldn't be able to work with great designers like Rajesh Pratap Singh and Rohit Bal and Abraham and Thakur and all these wonderful people whom I'm so fortunate to work with year after year. The Bangalore Times Fashion Week starts in October. It will be launched on the 7th of October. And this year, we've got a fantastic sustainability team running through it. So expect to see some fantastic sustainable designers. That'll be wonderful because I think there's been a huge... Um gap because of the pandemic also I mean all the events and everything was shut two years since we've done fashion weeks and yes. so more than a year yes. and a half has passed and when when the pandemic hit us we were in the middle of Colombo fashion week and we got stuck in Colombo after that and somehow we managed to get back to India on one of the last flights that left Colombo at midnight and brought us back it was so tense and worrisome you know but we managed to get back and after that we've all been literally sitting on our butts doing nothing. Luckily, then the shows uh, sort of didn't start, but a lot of shoots started. So that's how we've all been sustaining ourselves by creating shows online and, you know, shoots and that kind of thing. So I'm very happy to be getting back into doing live shows again because nothing can compare with the excitement of the live show. So before we end, Prasad, I would like you to tell our listeners because there's so many people who really are wanting to get into the modeling world and into this entire glamour world. What are the things that you would suggest and tell them that they need to look after and what are the things that they need to do to be there? See, technically, the modeling industry is one of the most democratic in the world. You know, we accept people of any color, any religion, any weight, anything, you know, it doesn't really matter. And, you know, whether you're a plus size or whether you're very dark skinned or very light skinned, you know, there's a place for you in the modeling world. And when you turn on the television, you see all kinds of people, uncles, aunts, friends, cousins of different types. You don't have to be tall and good looking. That's only for the runway model who needs to be very tall and not necessarily good looking, but tall and skinny is great for runway. If you're shorter, and you're very photogenic, you can make a great print model. Even if you're not so good looking in real life, with the right makeup and styling, you can look like a bomb on pictures and film, then you can make it as a model there. 
If you have a good actor, you can make it very big in television. And if you have all these attributes, you have the potential to be a superstar, like an Aishwarya Rai or a Sushmita Sen or a John Abraham or an Arjun Rampal, you know, who all went from the fashion industry into the, into the film industry. So the fashion industry is very much a gateway. But what do I teach young models? I teach them the most important thing is that they must maintain their health. Because for me, health is always beauty, Mohua. It is that glowing skin that comes from exercise, a clean diet, hydration, drinking a lot of juices, eating a lot of vegetable salads. These are the things that I think are beautiful. Clear eyes, you know, lovely glowing skin, a figure that is healthy, not necessarily skinny. You can be voluptuous and very beautiful. So just embrace the look and make sure that you're looking your best. Because you really must find the best version of yourself. That's what we teach when we take classes with young models and train them to join the industry and say everyone has the best version of themselves. It's up to you to find it, to make your hair fantastic and find the hairstyle that suits you best, to make sure that your skin is always clean and acne-free because you've drunk enough water and juices and, you know, maintained your hygiene. These are the things we teach. You know, to be stylish in your own way, to not just wear expensive clothes, but to wear simple things, to learn to mix and match looks that you always look great. That's the kind of thing I like to teach, Mohua. Lovely. And Prasad, any regrets that you have for you to look back, you know, in your life? Is there something that you think... I didn't direct a Bollywood film. I always wanted to direct a film. But every time I got the offer to do it, it meant taking two years off my regular work. And somehow I was not able to leave my regular work and sit in Bombay for two years to make a movie. So it never happened for me. But that's a regret. I really wish I had done it, you know. It would have been fun can. to be part and of the movie business too. Yes, me but too. I've I love this. But I've sent enough girls. We've sent girls like Deepika yes. Padukone and Anushka Sharma. Dino Maria, John Abraham, Arjun Rampal, Aishwarya Rai, they all started as models with us and then went on to becoming film stars. So somewhere we have a connection to Bollywood and I'm very happy with that much also. Thank you, Prasad. This has been a wonderful interview. Thank you, Mohua. And I look forward to meeting you soon. Thank you so much, Prasad. Bye, Mohua. To you, our dearest listeners, you can find us on your favorite streaming services, Find us on Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcast, and of course, all other major streaming services. With loads of love, we are Moody Mohawas Podcast, where Hatke is hot. <laughs>